Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Healthy Herb Podcast, a place of information and inspiration for the home herbalist. I'm Bridget Doherty of the Solidago School of Herbalism, coming to you from a bridged island on the coast of Maine. In today's show, I'm talking about herbs for lung health and how we decide which herbs will work for us. Before we get started, I want you to know that I'm not a doctor, nor do I diagnose or treat people. What I share is based on my own experience and what I have learned from my mentors. Ultimately, I want you to be empowered in seeking and achieving your own version of optimum health. I want you to be inspired to connect and relate to the common plants that grow all around you. Together, let's make home herbalism be as common in the everyday household as cooking a healthy meal. Now, without further ado, let's have some fun and dig in. The turning, the spiral of the wheel of the year carries on, and we are entering into the darker days. Samhain is a cross-quarter holiday in the sun calendar and in the Celtic holidays, and it represents the end of the harvest time and the entry into the darkest times of the year. It's currently, in America anyway, celebrated as Halloween, and it is a representation of, in my mind, going into the darkness, back into the womb. It's a time of death and rebirth, and it's the start, the new year, the beginning of the year in the sun calendar where we start in the womb, in the dark cave, and then we emerge and begin our growth in the spring. So I like to think of this time of the year as what am I going to bring into that cave with me, back into the womb of winter, that will help me focus on creativity and gestation and what I want to bring forth is the sun comes back and the growth and the rebirth begins. What are you going to bring into your cave, into your winter womb? I am going to talk about herbs for lung health today. And this is inspired by a listener's question that I received this week about her own, uh, what started out as an acute lung condition, maybe an infection and is turned chronic. And I wanted to address that. And a lot of the herbs that I'm going to be talking about today, I have delved really deeply into in previous podcast episodes. Uh, So you can kind of go back through the different episodes if one of these or multiple herbs that we talk about today intrigue you and dive a little deeper into them. But I really want us to think about how we're going to work through choosing herbs and remedies when we're having problems with our lungs. And what I'm going to suggest is that what we do when we start is that we start listing out our symptoms that we're experiencing, even right on a piece of paper. And so we can really start to develop a clear picture of where we're at, what our problems and concerns are. And then from there, we can start deciding what is going to help to counter those problems. So start out by making your list. How do you feel? And what are the problems that you're experiencing? 
So common problems with the lungs would be they feel inflamed or irritated or dry and like kind of like a hacking cough. Other problems could be you feel like very kind of cold and like a lot of thick mucus and just things aren't moving up and out. You're just, you know, you cough, but nothing really, you feel the mucus in there, but it's not coming out. It's not a productive cough. You could have uh, spasming coughs that are, you know, dry and irritated. You, your lungs could feel really tight. Um, or you could have very productive coughs where you feel like you're producing a lot of mucus but you, and you're coughing it up and out, which is ideal. Um, and then you want to think about the mucus that you are coughing up and out or that's draining out of your nose. Is it clear and thin or is it thick? Does it have some color to it? How does your body feel overall? Do you feel weak or do you feel normal energy or do you feel really hyper energy? Do you feel nourished or do you feel like you're needing nourishment? Do you have an overall feeling of kind of being cold and chilled or do you have an overall feeling of just being like hot and agitated and irritated? And then we want to consider once we have our list and, you know, the energetics of how we're feeling and the specific descriptions of the problems that we're experiencing, we want to make another list of herbal energetics that could counter our body's energetics. So if we're feeling really cold and like thick mucus, then we want to think of energetics that are going to be warming and that are going to be like thinning and dispelling. And then we want to consider the herbal actions that could help alleviate the symptoms that we're feeling. And this is really where allopathy comes in. When we think of allopathic or homeopathic, homeopathic is when we're working with remedies where like treats like. So in homeopathic medicine, if we have poison ivy or a rash that resembles a poison ivy rash, then we will take a homeopathic dose or remedy of poison ivy, which has been diluted down so much that really all that's left is the resonance of that of poison ivy. We obviously aren't taking poison ivy into us. But in allopathic remedies, we are we are treating with the opposite. So if we have a dry, irritated feeling in our lungs, then we're going to be looking for something that is moistening, demulcent, and soothing and anti-inflammatory. So Western herbalism is allopathic, is a type of allopathic medicine. I think we often get confused and we just automatically put allopathic medicine as modern medicine in the scientific tradition, but it's not only restricted to that. So we are working with herbs that are going to be having opposite effects of how we are feeling. We also want to consider what chemical constituents are we going to be looking in the herbs that will help us achieve the actions that we're looking for. And so once we have our list of actions that we're looking for and our list of chemical constituents that we're looking for, then we consider herbs that have these actions and constituents and also have specific affinities with the lungs. And then from that list of herbs, then we consider uh, what's available to us, what's easily accessible, what might we already have in our kitchen, our local market or herb shop, what can we um, or what's growing in our backyard, you know, what do we have easy access to that we can incorporate into our life immediately for health? Or what do we need to source? And in this case, this is why it's really nice to already have remedies on hand that you've spent, you know, a summer really kind of focusing on what herbs are around you, what herbs do you grow, making the remedies whether you feel like you're going to need them or not, but just to have them on hand for times when you might need them down the road. Because oftentimes from harvest to remedy, 
there is some time that needs to take place, um, either for drying or extraction time. But the great thing about the popularity of herbal medicine these days is that we do have access to a large amount of herbs, even if we don't harvest them or grow them ourselves. And that is totally fine. You don't have to do everything yourself because that takes time and it can be difficult. It's kind of the advanced stage of herbalism, I like to think. Although it is easy and I recommend that everyone attempt to do that and and do it in time, but don't let it be a limiting factor if you don't already have remedies made. Don't be like, oh, well, I guess I guess I can't use echinacea tincture since I'd have to buy it and I don't already have it made. But it is more expensive to have to do that for sure. So from your list of herbs that are easy to acquire or that you may already have, pick one to three of those herbs to start working with. And work with them individually so you can really get a sense of how you vibe with the plant and how it feels in your body and if it really feels like the right remedy for you after working with it either for a short term or for a longer term, depending on whether your condition is acute or chronic and whether the herb is more of like a nourishing tonic herb that's going to take a longer time to have effect or is going to be more of a immediate effect from an action that you're looking for, like antispasmodic for a cough, say. And that is how I would go about kind of deducing what, what herbs I would want to work with for any given situation, really. But we're going to be talking about the lungs and lung herbs today and actions that we're going to be looking for in herbs. So now that we have the general overview of, of a process of determining your herbs, and yes, this takes time and it does take, you have to kind of understand what some herbal actions are and herbs that have those actions and um, you know what constituents we're looking for. And that just comes with time and with study and with understanding the plants and that's why in the Materia Medica podcast episodes that I do, I really like to focus on those aspects of the plants as well, because you can really learn a lot when you start seeing patterns of plants, like, for example, plants in the mint family that have a lot of aromatics to them, like mint or thyme, oregano, lavender, all of those plants. We know that they have constituents that are volatile oils. And we know that these plants also are very antispasmodic, whether it's in the lungs or the intestines. And they also are anti-infective because volatile oils kill microbes. So we can make deductions like that. So we're going to draw some of those correlations today. I'm going to talk a little bit about energetics and then actions that are helpful to be looking for when you have certain lung conditions, constituents that are beneficial, and then we'll get into some herbs and how to work those herbs and remedies. So that's the other end of it is once you have the herbs that you want to work with, it's determining the best way to work with that herb, like what remedy is going to give you the constituents and the actions that you're looking for from that herb. So we'll talk about that as well. And then I will get into the specific question from the listener that I received and how to maybe think about her condition in general or how she would want to go about deducing the herbs that might work for her. So let's talk about quick energetics that we might be experiencing um, and, and then also looking for the opposite in an herb. I touched on it briefly, but... We're either going to maybe feel some warming or cooling um, energetics in our lungs. So if your lungs feel really hot and inflamed and irritated, that's obviously warming. If they feel really um, cool and almost like stagnant or like not a lot's happening in there, but they just feel um, kind of dense, then that would be cooling. And then there's the drying versus the moistening. So I think that's relatively obvious if you have like a hacking dry cough and your lungs are burning and they feel like they just need some soothing and there's not enough mucus in them or if they're really 
moistening energetics and they feel like they're just like too mucousy and too wet and thick and you're coughing and you just can hear gurgling in your lungs when you take a deep breath. And then you want to find herbs that have opposite energetics to those to work with. Actions that we're going to be looking for in herbs. One action would be herbs that are lung tonics. So those are herbs that just overall support the health of the lung and the lung tissue. We're going to probably be wanting to find some anti-inflammatory herbs, especially if we're feeling inflamed and hot or if we're dealing with an infection. We are going to be looking for anti-infective herbs if we are dealing with an infection as well. And if we have coughs, um, especially really spasmodic coughs, we're going to be looking for anti-spasmodic herbs. If we have really dry energetics or we feel very hot and inflamed um, we're going to be looking for really soothing and demulcent herbs. Demulcent herbs are herbs that have soothing properties to mucous membranes that have these mucilaginous constituents to them that soothe and coat mucous membranes and restore health to them because our lungs are basically one big mucous membrane. Astringent herbs is kind of the other end of that. Um, astringent herbs tend to tighten mucous membranes and help to tone them and dry them out a little bit. A lot of times we'll see both herbs that have both demulcent and astringent actions in one herb, which is pretty cool. And your body can kind of find a homeostasis between working with both of those actions. And a lot of times lung tonics will have both of those actions in them. Because again, we're, tonics are going to help restore overall health to the lungs. Uh, kind of an old term, an action term that you'll see a lot in older herbals and maybe even current herbals are anti-catarrhal herbs. And catarrh is basically an old word for mucus. And so herbs that would help to kind of dry excessive um, mucus or help you to cough it up and out. Warming, circulation, enhancing herbs can also be really beneficial just to kind of get the blood flowing and to warm a cooling feeling or cooling energetics. Lymphagogues, herbs that support our lymph flow and system. So if we are dealing with an infection or even if we're dealing with repairing tissue, then we're going to have a lot of metabolic I don't want to say waste, but essentially byproducts from if we're killing the infection, there's going to be byproducts that the body needs to eliminate. If we are going to be, you know, repairing tissue, then the old tissue is going to have to be um, eliminated from the body. And so the lymph is what kind of, is what helps carry that to the places it needs to go to be eliminated. So a nice lymph tonic or something that helps support lymph flow and keeps the lymph nodes from getting overly inflamed is going to be beneficial. And along those lines, also uh, immune tonics could be helpful if we have like kind of a long-term infection or if we get repetitive infections that, you know, we think that we've cleared it and then a couple weeks later it comes back. So immune tonics. So that's a nice list of herbal actions, depending on how you might be feeling. You might want to focus on a couple or few of those actions. And then herbal constituents that are really tend to be beneficial for the lungs, volatile oils. So those are the aromas of plants. And as I said, those can be very anti-infective. They can be anti-spasmodic. Um, which are really nice if you're looking for those. They can be warming circulation enhancers as well. And they can help open the lungs and like break up the mucus if there's like a lot of kind of heavy, stuck feeling mucus in there. The polysaccharides and mucopolysaccharides or mucilage in herbs 
really help with if you're looking for that demulcent action, that soothing and repairing and restoring action. Plus also um, the immune tonic action, the polysaccharides are very beneficial for that as well. Herbs with tannins are going to have that astringent property, that tightening and um, restoring the tone to the lungs tissue. And then herbs that have a large range of minerals and vitamins, bioflavonoids, other antioxidants and other nutrients are also going to be beneficial when we are, especially if we're dealing with chronic health conditions or just the lungs don't feel like they're performing optimally. So when we're working with an acute condition, we really want to start immediately. So if we feel like we have an infection or we've just started to get an infection, the best time to start working with the herbs is right then, immediately, and to really work with herbs frequently. It's almost like Quantity is less important in my mind than frequency. If we're always giving ourselves little doses of anti-infective herbs or uh, demulcent herbs or anti-inflammatory herbs, it can really go a long way at the beginning of an acute condition. When we're working with a chronic condition, if it's a, you know, if you just have like chronic lung issues or hard time breathing or chronic excessive mucus or chronic dryness in the lungs, then we want to work with um, really nutritive herbs and herbal tonics. And we want to work with those herbs over a long period of time. So at least like three months, and you really want to incorporate them into a daily lifestyle. So like drinking a nourishing herbal infusion of a lung supportive herb on a daily basis could be really beneficial. And then a lot of times we might have a condition that started out as acute and we didn't really get to it in time or we didn't um, really incorporate the herbs soon enough and, and frequently enough and then the condition can turn chronic and then we need to kind of work with both herbs that are beneficial for acute conditions and also chronic conditions. And usually if you know, we have an acute condition and say we get over it, uh, an acute infection and we get over it, then we might still want to consider herbs for chronic care after that for supporting the lung health so that we don't get a recurring infection a month later from our depleted immune, immune system and damaged lungs from the, from the infection that has cleared. So let's talk about some herbs that can match some of these actions and that contain these volatile oils and also that have affinities for the lungs. So this could kind of be your short list of herbs to pick and choose from depending on what your current state and situation is. And a lot of these herbs, like I said, I have, you know, um, extensive information on in previous podcasts. So you can just kind of go through the episode list and see um, if you want to delve a little deeper into these herbs. I'm just going to do a really brief overview. Mullen uh, is the first herb that I usually think of when I think about lung health, especially in chronic cases. But it can also be really soothing and beneficial in acute situations as well. I think of it as a really nice classic lung tonic and restorative, although it can also be used in a tincture acutely. And then as mullein milk or basically a nourishing infusion of mullein that has um, some milk and maybe warmed with milk and honey and cinnamon in it is really lovely. And I go into depth on that in the Mullen episode. Another um, herb that I think of as a lung tonic is comfrey leaf. And again, that also is a nourishing herb and that I work with as a nourishing infusion. It has some really nice demulcent properties to it, as well as being very mineral rich. 
and restorative to tissue and healing to tissue in general. Red clover blossom is another really nourishing herb that has an affinity for the lungs. And that is also um, an herb that I drink as a nourishing herbal infusion for chronic health care. And then uh, linden blossoms, which I have not yet done a podcast episode about, but I will at some point in the future. But linden is an excellent anti-inflammatory, and it has a lot of demulcent property to it, a lot of mucopolysaccharides that are very soothing and healing and anti-inflammatory to mucous membranes. Plus, it has a nice affinity with our immune system as well and can is kind of a classic tea in Europe for uh, fighting colds and flus and infections. And it's really tasty and really beneficial for children as well as adults. So all four of those could be worked with as nourishing herbal infusions taken kind of over a longer period of time individually, of course. And then another herb in that category for me is marshmallow. Marshmallow leaf and or the root of the marshmallow, very demulcent, very soothing and restorative and um, surely has some minerals in it as well. So that also would be um, a nourishing herbal infusion. I'm going to get a little bit more into the remedies and different ways of working with these herbs after we go through the herbs themselves. So just kind of touching on those. So we have mullein and comfrey, red clover and linden, and marshmallow as all very healing and restorative, nutritive, mucilaginous herbs that can be, red clover is not really mucilaginous. Mullen is a little mucilaginous, but also astringent and has those, that beautiful dichotomy within it. Then next we're going to move into thinking about some more anti-infective herbs that are going to have a stronger and more acute effect on the, on the lungs. And the first one that I think of is elecampane, which I have a podcast episode already that is dedicated to elecampane. So you can look into that. Elecampane, the root of this herb is useful. It has um, a lot of volatile oils to it. So it is anti-infective, especially for kind of like deep-seated infections. Plus it can be antispasmodic from those volatile oils. And it can really... Um, help to open up the lungs and the breathing and the airways, relax the lungs, and also break up some excessive or um, kind of stuck feeling mucus or dry mucus. Plus, elecampane is very warming, so I would also put it in there with my warming circulation enhancer action as well. And it has a great affinity for the lungs. Another anti-infective herb I would consider would be yarrow, which also there is a podcast episode on already. And yarrow is just an herb that I always have a tincture of on hand uh, that I can immediately start taking if I feel an infection coming on. And it has some really nice anti-inflammatory properties to it as well. Yarrow has these volatile oils again to it. So the anti-infective nature. Working more with the immune system. So I mentioned red clover. Red clover is a great lymphagogue or an immune tonic, I would think of it, where it really helps support lymph function. Then there's astragalus root, which is an excellent herbal tonic for the immune system and can really help to build and support immune health, especially when we're dealing with chronic situations. And then there's echinacea, which is um, anti-infective. And there's also a podcast episode on echinacea and how to work with that. 
but it also helps to um, support lymph function, white blood cell function, um, and fight infections itself. So at the first sign of an infection, we're going to be working with echinacea. If we kind of have some long chronic issues or we just feel like we have this like long drawn out or recurring infections, I would think about working with astragalus. And I did have a listener send in a question recently um, about, you know, having heard that astragalus is not recommended for acute infections and why that is. And so I would say I've actually asked this of, of multiple teachers as well and done some research on this because astragalus does have anti-infective properties to it, but it's more of a nourisher and it has like a lot more polysaccharides in it than say um, echinacea does. The traditional Chinese medicine, which is you know where astragalus is really from, is from China and is used in great quantities in that medical system. They say from, and it's been translated into saying that something about astragalus almost creates a barrier, like an energetic barrier in the body that doesn't allow the infection to um, leave the body. And it can actually kind of hold it into the body. Now, this again is, I've only heard this spoken from Western herbalists as a, you know, through many different lines um, translated into English and into English conception, um, an American conception, Western conception from the Eastern system. And so I think a lot can get lost in translation, both culturally and verbally. So I'm not sure exactly, but in my mind, it's just not the best option because when you're dealing with an acute in infection, you're really looking for something that's going to hit it a little harder than astragalus. And then astragalus is something that you could work with afterwards to rebuild the, the system. Or astragalus is something you'd work with beforehand to help more preventatively. So if you're, you know, you can only take so many herbs, right? And so in an acute infection, I'm going to want to really focus on echinacea. And for long-term chronic health, I'm really going to focus on astragalus, even though if either one of those is all you have in any given situation, it's worth a try, in my mind. Mint family plants, now we're looking at some aromatic herbs. Mint family plants that have aromatics like bee balm, which there is a podcast episode on, thyme, anise hyssop, lavender, sage, and these are often ones that are really easily accessible and we might already have them in our, you know, tea bag collection of mint tea and chamomile tea, or we can easily pick them up even in the wintertime, these fresh herbs at the grocery store, thyme, sage, oregano, what have you. And these aromatic herbs, again, are um, antispasmodic and anti-infective and often help to reduce inflammation. So those are great to have on hand, and we'll talk more about how we can work with those in a couple different ways. Then there is um, the classic elderberry and elderflower. So if we really think that we're dealing with a viral infection, the elderberry can really be a good first go-to for an acute viral infection. And the elder plant, both the flower and the berry, do have an affinity with the lungs specifically. And then the elderflower is nice and can, well, they both can be helpful for children, but elderflower especially is really nice flavor to it and really helps to um, assist the mucous membranes of the body, whether it's to decongest them or to nourish them, it can really be helpful there. Usnea lichen is an herb that I plan on talking about this winter in more depth because it's an herb that you can harvest 
throughout the year if you live where it grows. And this lichen also has a real affinity for the lungs and is anti-infective. It has both polysaccharides in it as well as some volatile oils. Actually, I think usnea, the name usnea has something to do with um, like aromatic lichen or strong smelling lichen. And when you start decocting it, you really do realize that it does have some nice volatile oils to it. So usnea is generally talked about as an herb or a lichen that is really beneficial for getting at some like really deep-seated infections that might have started out as acunic but are turning as acute but are turning chronic um, and that you really are having a hard time getting at with some other herbs. So that can be really beneficial there. And then for our warming, circulatory enhancing herbs, I think of cinnamon, which also has some really nice demulcent properties to it and is generally a flavor a lot of people like. And then for a step up in the warming herbs nature, we we can look at ginger. And ginger can really get uh, mucus to thin and can really, you know, raise the temperature of the body um, and really has some anti-infective properties because it has a lot of these volatile oils to it, as does cinnamon, but just really nice warming herbs. But if you have extreme inflammation, um, you might not want to work with something as spicy as ginger, even though ginger is commonly known as having anti-inflammatory properties. So this is something you just want to be careful on the energetics of. And fresh ginger is going to be less heating than dry ginger. Dry ginger can really be very, very heating. And so if you already have a hot energetic condition or a lot of inflammation, then ginger is probably not where you want to go. You want to go more with the soothing, cooling, moistening herbs. So that's a, a nice list of herbs. Um, again, many of them I have talked at depth about in previous podcast episodes. And if I haven't, then I will be talking about them in the future because these are all some of my favorite herbs. We're going to get into the different ways that we can work with these herbs, the different remedies that we can make and which, which herbs we're going to think about for those different remedies, as well as talk um, to this one listener's question that she, specific question or group of questions that she sent in. And I'll get to those in just a moment. So stick with me and I'll be right back. The remedies that are beneficial for lung health. Well, there's quite a list, but we're gonna, they're all pretty basic. So, with our nourishing herbs, as we talked about, we really wanna think about working with nourishing herbal infusions. A nourishing herbal infusion is when you take, you weigh out one ounce of your dried plant material and you put it in a quart jar. And you fill that jar to the tippy top with boiling water, and you stir the herb and the boiling water together. You can top off the jar with boiling water after you stir it. Put a tight lid on the jar, like the canning jar lid, and let it sit out on your counter for four to eight hours or until it reaches room temperature. And then you can put it in the fridge, um, especially if it's an herb that has a lot of mucilaginous properties to it, like your marshmallows and your linden and your comfrey, because that those mucilages tend to extract, extract best in cooler 
water versus boiling hot water. The boiling hot water for over a long period of time is going to extract all of those nice nutrition um, from the herbs as well. And then after it's steeped for eight hours, you're going to strain it out to squeeze out all that plant material, all the goodness out of it, and compost the plant material, and then drink that infusion usually within 24 to 48 hours. Now the mullein, once you make the nourishing infusion of the mullein, it's kind of intensely, slightly bitter and tannic and really strong tasting. It doesn't necessarily, it can go down a little hard. So you want to rewarm up, you know, like some of your quart, maybe half of your quart of your mullein infusion Add a fair amount of cream or milk to it and warm that. And then also some honey and some cinnamon. And it is delicious as a nice lung tonic. And I go into more depth on that in the Mullen podcast episode. So for our nourishing infusions, that's going to be great for the Mullen, the Comfrey, the Red Clover, the Linden, and the Marshmallow. And those, again, I really like to work with simples. So let's say I had some really chronic lung issues. I would invest in buying those herbs in bulk, maybe a pound of each herb. And then I would rotate through and every day I would drink a different one of those herbs in an infusion. I might have the mullein milk, like a cup of it every day or a mug of it every day. And then the comfrey, red clover, linden, and marshmallow, I would rotate through. If I had a really acute, um, really hot, dry, and inflamed infection, I would really focus in on the linden nourishing infusion. And I have, especially when it's accompanied by a sore throat. Um, It can be so soothing and healing. And the linden, um, you can also just weigh out a half ounce of the linden blossom because a full ounce can really provide so much mucilage that it can be hard for some people to get down. So just a half ounce of the linden is fine. Another great uh, remedy for the lungs is doing an herbal steam. And this is done with those aromatic herbs, those mints, the bee balm and the thyme and the sage and the oregano. And you can just go to your herb section in your grocery store and get those if it's the winter time and harvest those herbs right off the grocery store shelf. Or if you have an herb garden, a lot of these herbs will stay pretty green, you know, into a couple frosts anyway. And then you can, rosemary is another great one. Or you can grow them inside. I grow rosemary throughout the winter inside um, because it won't survive in Maine over the winter. So just clip those, the fresh herbs, or you can use dried herbs. And so you want to, for a steam, you basically want to bring a pot of water. It doesn't have to have a huge amount of water in it, uh, but a nice wide mouthed pot is, is nice. Bring that water to a boil and then put a handful of aromatic herbs. It can be one herb or a variety of aromatic herbs in the pot and cover it with a tight lid and let it sit for maybe five minutes or so. You know, you've stirred the herbs into the water. You want to make sure that water still stays really hot. And then bring it over to a table, put it on a trivet to protect your table. And sit on a chair and have a towel that you can drape over your head so you can create a tent that will hold the steam in. Take the lid off the pot, put your face over the pot, but you want to start up pretty high because that steam, as it comes right off the water, is really hot. And you don't want to burn your face. You, don't, you want to keep your eyes closed. You don't want to start breathing in super hot steam because it could burn and irritate those already sore mucous membranes, right? So start up high where the steam is a little cooler. And then as it cools, you can kind of work your way down and find your happy medium and have your towel over your head as a tent that traps the steam in and it's so lovely. And you can reuse that pot until... um, 
there's no more aromatics that are coming out of it. So, you know, once it cools, you can set it aside, put it back on your stove, and maybe in another hour, you'll be ready for another steam. For kids, if you wanted to give them a steam, what I've done with like young kids, because it's so hot, you don't really want them to have their head over in that steam, is you could create a tent like under a table. So maybe put like a big sheet over a table and then have that steaming pot under the table with the children. You want to be under there too so that they don't knock over the boiling hot water and burn themselves. So, you know, there's some safety considerations to take in. But if you want them to be breathing that steam in, then they could just be either in a small room that's in, that has that steam in the air or like under the kitchen table with a big tent over it, like a big sheet over it. And we know how kids love forts. So that's an option. Tea is a classic herbal remedy, right? And so again, we're going to use those aromatics in the tea. Um, and the cinnamon could be nice in the tea as well, or the ginger, those warming circulatory enhancers are nice in teas. And then you could also use your tea as your steam. So you could just, you know, you have your cup of tea and then before you take a sip, you just want to breathe in the steam that's coming off of your tea mug. On average, it's like a teaspoon to a tablespoon of herb per cup of water for your tea, depending on how strong you like it and the size of the cut of your herb material. And you let it steep for like 20 minutes or so before drinking. Um, tinctures are herbs that are infused into alcohol and I prefer hundred proof vodka. If you're not making your own tinctures, you can certainly buy them. It's one of the more expensive, um, herbal remedies to buy, but these are really great for the anti-infective herbs and the anti-spasmodic herbs. So the herbs that you're really looking for immediate effects from when you're dealing with acute conditions and infections. So tincture of the echinacea, the yarrow, the elecampane, the mullein, the elder, the usnea, and even the mints all could work really well as a tincture. And then there's lots of other ways that you can play around with the aromatic herbs especially. Um, and that would be, you know, you could do um, infused honeys or you could do oxymels, which are a vinegar honey combination. So that's something to consider. And then I just, for the usnea, um, that can also be decocted as a tea. So where you simmer it down as a tea and it can be enjoyed that way. The, in the usnea, there's both water-soluble and alcohol-soluble uh, medicinal constituents. So that's a quick overview. Of course, there could be a lot more depth to that conversation, but in the time we have, that's a place for you to start, to start delving into and kind of ways of thinking about the herbs and how you're going to decide what herbs work for you, what herbs you have on hand, what herbs match your specific symptoms and acute versus chronic conditions, and some remedies that you want to think about when you're looking for different constituents from your plants. So let's get into this question from our listener, fellow listener, who is dealing with um, what started out as an, a, possibly an acute infection and is working and has now become a little bit more of a chronic situation. So she writes, I struggle with a cough and a runny nose for about two months and sometimes a sore chest. Doctors told me two months ago I had a lung infection without any tests and told me to take antibiotics. I said I'll try to help myself, but since 
then, I haven't done more than drinking some mint tea, calendula tea, and just herbal teas from our local herb shop. As we've just gone through winter, there are not many herbs around, and my cough didn't get much better. Now I'm thinking, should I get these antibiotics and then find herbs that clean my body from it? Or should I just get into some herb tincture and infusion and try to heal my lungs with antibiotics? Without antibiotics, which I would love to. And I'm just not sure which one should I go for and how often should I heal myself. I know mullen would be good, I guess. I don't have it around, but could buy in shop and make some remedies with it. Any ideas or recommendations, please? So there's a lot here um, to comment on. And so the first thing I would think about if I were her is, do I still have an infection? Do, does it still feel hot, red, inflamed? Is my mucus, does it have a color to it? Or am I recovering from damage from an infection that has maybe my body has cleared in over in these past two months, but now I'm just have kind of some damage from it and my body's having a hard time recovering. Another thought I would think is, could it be an allergy to something in the environment? Or could it be caused from dry air from heaters if you're just coming out of winter? Um, <clears throat> obviously, you're on the southern hemisphere of the planet. Um, and is um, would a humidifier that is cleaned regularly be helpful it, and that depends kind of, is your cough, is it like a dry, irritated, hot cough, or is this like kind of a damp, wet, thick, mucusy cough? So these are things to think about. Again, the, the energetics of where you are. And then do you work with essential oils? Do you have a lot of hair care or facial care or body care products that have a lot of essential oils in them? Um, and if so, stop using them and stop working with essential oils because they can both deplete our immune system and they can really cause damage to our lungs, our respiratory system, and our mucous membranes. So uh, so your question, um, you know, should I do antibiotics or herbs? <clears throat> That's always up to you, of course. It sounds like you would prefer to do something herbal, but you're feeling fed up and like maybe you should just do the antibiotics and then recover with herbs. And that's totally up to you. I always think that it start to it's great to start with herbs. Herbs is always a great first place to start. And then if you don't get the results you want, then you can always reserve antibiotics for the extreme. And it's always nice to set a timeline for yourself. So say, okay, I, I know that I can take antibiotics if I need them. Um, I want to work with herbs first, which is what it sounded like you said, but then you kind of haphazardly worked with herbs and you didn't necessarily set yourself a timeline. So you'd want to say, okay, I'm going to work with herbs for two weeks really intensely, and I'm going to see if I can knock this out. And I'm going to work with herbs in medicinal strength. So I'm going to be working with anti-infective herbs in a tincture, which really kind of concentrates those medicinal volatile oils, but not to a dangerous lev level like essential oils. So I'm going to work with tinctures that are anti-infective, and I'm going to just knock this infection out, and I'm going to use them frequently and then after two weeks, I'm going to reevaluate and see where I'm at. And if nothing has changed, then I'm either going to change the herbs I'm using or I am going to consider the antibiotics. These are things that I would think about personally. I obviously can't tell you what you should do, but I'm just trying to give you some ideas of where to go with your situation and with your thought process in how you can help yourself. No matter what, I would definitely work with herbs for repairing and for, um, for chronic health 
for improving the nourishment and the health overall of the lungs and the immune system. So where we talked about those nourishing herbal infusions, if nothing else, I would definitely focus on those. It sounds like there is some inflammation, especially when you say you have a sore chest. So I would look to the linden for sure for myself. Um, And then you mentioned mullen, and I totally agree. And I would work with the mullen milk. Think about lymphatic immune support. So that red clover nourishing infusion could be beneficial. If you, and now, so now you've had, you know, two months, if it's an, if it's still an infection that's been going on for two months, then, you know, you could try one more time with the herbs. Um, and again, with like strong tinctures that you purchase because you don't have time to make them. It's still spring where you are. Um, and then just in the future, know that these are herbs that I want to find and make my own tinctures for to have on hand for the next time around. Other things we want to consider here are um, eating warm and well-cooked plant foods and broths. So maybe some bone broth that has some nice herbs in it, some garlic, some onions, some all your aromatic, your thyme, your sage, your rosemary. You can just like make a really medicinal broth and use that as a base in a lot of your cookings and soups. And just really nourish your body. If you've had this condition for a couple months, I would imagine you might be feeling a little weak, um, a little tired, like you really need some foundational health support. And I would personally avoid any spicy food, any spicy peppers or even black pepper, because those can really kind of drive up inflammation and irritate mucous membranes in the body. And then think about rest. Do you need rest? Do you need to maybe practice some deep breathing exercises that can, where you can nourish your lungs with breath? So those are some thoughts. Definitely, I hope, um, listener, that this podcast has given you some things to go on and some thoughts to work with. I also also really wanted to say quickly, you know, if you do decide to take the antibiotics, it's okay. You can do that. Um, but then just support your body through it. Make sure you're, you're eating yogurt. Make sure that you have ways to support your intestinal health um, and your microbiota in your intestines. Fermented foods, um, blue cheese, you know, yogurt. And then think about, um, you know, your body is going to clear the antibiotic. You don't have to forcefully cleanse your body of the antibiotic. That's why you have to take multiple doses of antibiotic, right? If you only, if your body, if the antibiotic stayed in your system, then you'd only have to take one antibiotic ever. But your body is constantly clearing it, and that's why you have to take multiple doses over a period of time. So you don't have to worry about that, but you could always give yourself a little liver support if you wanted, a little dandelion or a little milk thistle um, while you're working with the antibiotics. That's fine. And just don't be hard on yourself if you decide that that's what you need to do. And then just build up your homopothecary so you're ready for the next time. And then support yourself with the nourishing herbs to help restore health after this you know, long drawn out situation that you're dealing with. And report back, let me know. Let me know what you decide and how it works or how it didn't work. I want to thank you all so much for listening. I really appreciate you. If you enjoy this podcast and appreciate me too, I would love a five-star rating and or a short review, especially on iTunes if you're listening on your Apple Pod cast apps. I really value your feedback. And I want to thank the more recent reviews that I have received. So thank you, Nataliando. It's so nice to hear from you again. Thank you, Breachard187 for leaving me a review. And Vespera Florals, I really appreciate that you listen and appreciate the research and recipes. And thanks, Simply Josephine, for also 
leaving a review and giving me a shout out on Instagram the other day. If y'all are interested in following a cool herbalist who's making beautiful remedies in beautiful locations, I love following Simply Josephine on Instagram. I would hope that if we lived near each other, we would be friends because I think you're pretty cool in what you're doing. So thank you. You can find me on Instagram as well at Solidago Herb School or the Healthy Herb Podcast. Also find me on Facebook and my website with the Solidago Herb School tag. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Bridget Doherty. Until next week, be well, let intuition guide you, and have fun with herbs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.